Great to have your company this Thursday morning. I'm Brendan Telfer. A very warm welcome to you. This week on the program, Age Stage Medical Reporter Damien Friendly on Bowel Cancer Awareness Month. Australia's got one of the highest rates of bowel cancer in the Western world. It's a, it, it's a terrible indictment that people can suffer up to 90% of their issues with bowel cancer before it even shows. Yes, Damien Flenley a little bit later on in the age stage with some important news for all of us. And Warren Haynes also on the program this week from Aftercare Australasia who claims the government is tightening homestay qualifications through the My Age portal and some very worrying reasons according to Warren. They're looking into the abyss and going, oh my goodness, how on earth are we going to actually fund the supports that are needed to meet the expectations of our, our older community members? And I, I'm not seeing anyone on either side of government really sitting down and, and working out how they're going to address that. So some significant developments through the My Age portal a little bit later on with Warren Haynes this week, all right here on the Age Stage. But first, let's catch up on some of the news of the week. And although the announcement of a Federal Reserve Bank interest rate cut was greeted with applause by prospective homeowners and businesses, the news on interest rate cuts was not really that good for pensioners. The concern for pensioners is investment income is determined by deeming rates. These are used to work out income from financial and investment assets and consequently then sets payment rates. Because of the interest rate cuts, the upper deeming rate is now well above the average term deposit rate, meaning that pensioners with term deposits are assessed as earning more money than they are actually getting. Now, the government last set the deeming rates back in 2015, and with another interest rate cut on the way, say the experts, the gap between deeming rates and deposit rates is set to widen even further, meaning more pain for those with term deposits. In other words, pensioners want the deeming rates to follow interest rates down. Let's see where the government goes on this in the next couple of weeks. It's a subject that will likely pick up next week right here on the age stage as well so just a reminder if you're just tuning in for the first time today this is the age stage brought to you by our friends at aftercare australasia and australian unity on july 1st the australian government is introducing a new and simpler charter for aged care rights the charter aims to make it easier for aged care consumers that's anyone receiving aged care services to understand what they can expect from their provider and where they can get it well, Craig Gear, a friend of the program, CEO of the Older Persons Advocacy Network, or OPAN, joins us on the line. And he's been with us on the Age Stage in the past. And Craig, great to have you on the program again today. And next week as well, next Tuesday, in fact, uh, Craig, your organisation rolling out a series of free public forums to explain and detail the Charter. Welcome. Thanks, Brendan. It's good to be back again. Great. We've asked the question before, but I'm going to ask it again, Craig. Why do we need to ramp up a charter to protect older Australians? Look, it is a bit ridiculous that we've got to um, have a specific charter for aged care rights. But um, I actually see this as beneficial. And the more I delve into the 14 rights, the more I think that this is a really simple one-page tool that people who are receiving aged care can say... This is what I expect from you, aged care provider. This is how I'm going to be respected. This is how I'm going to be treated with dignity. And this is the level of care and service that you're going to provide me. Um, 14 rights that really talk about um, some fundamental things that 
you think just as an Australian to be entitled to, yeah, you are, but this actually puts it on paper, puts it front and centre for everyone. Is this part of the initiative that uh, we now see working its way through a Royal Commission? Look, this, this was done separately to the Royal Commission. There was a new set of standards that um, was, were developed uh, as part of some of the aged care reform processes, and some of this came post what happened in Oakden and some of the media um, of, of some really poor providers. Luckily, that's among the few, we think. Um, but this actually, met, I suppose, the new standards really put the older person and their family right at the centre of care, where it said... You are the most important thing here. We're going to treat you with respect. We're going to treat you with dignity. And we're going to listen to you about what you need and what you want from our service. This charter, I suppose, is the uh, the public-facing or the client-facing aspect of it or the resident-facing aspect, which then says, yep, this is what I've, my provider has signed up for and they're going to respect my rights. Like you, I, I tend to agree it's probably a fantastic initiative, really. Um, do you think the Charter then, an indication that uh, the older community is beginning to get recognition? Is there a bit of a, a shift here? Absolutely. So, I mean, for me, the classic example is that these charters, and there used to be four of them, depending on where you got your care, whether it was in the home, whether it was a short-term bit of care that was being provided post-hospital, whether it was in a residential facility, it was a different chart of rights and responsibilities, which is kind of ridiculous because the rights are your rights no matter where you are. It doesn't matter which facility you're in or, or location. But this is now, these things used to be stuck at the back of someone's contract and said, oh, by the way, you've got some rights, but we don't really want to talk about that. This is putting it front and centre. The providers now actually have to sit down and explain with the older person and their family what these rights mean. And we're doing some videos and we're doing these community events. Our first one's next Tuesday morning at Melbourne Town Hall for a free cup of coffee and some really nice um, morning tea to take people through that and explain to them because we want to really see older people be empowered to say, no, nah, I'm the active, um, <laughs> empowered, self-advocating older person who's really going to stand up for their rights and, and, and let the provider know, this is what I expect from you. I expect to be treated this way, I expect my independence. I expect to be able to take some risks and that's, um, in life. And that's pick, picking up a little bit on the theme when we last spoke, I think, Craig, about uh, basically older Australians, they appear to be playing a more significant role in the consciousness. I mean, apparently we played a bit of a role in the outcome of the federal election, franking credits, superannuation yeah. fears. Yeah. All of a sudden, perhaps, we're beginning to see a little bit of a shift and maybe this, this demographic just beginning to assert itself a little bit. Yeah, and I don't think um, it, it's, it's easy to forget about the power differential that exists when someone's receiving aged care. And it's unfortunate, um, but it's just, I suppose, when you're in a situation where you might have lose, lost a bit of functionality, um, that you're sort of relying on others to support you and help you with your, your daily life. What this is now doing and what the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission is doing is to say, no, 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 you're the most important person here, you're right at the centre and we need to listen to you. We also need to design our systems with you in mind, but with you involved in designing the systems. So um, it's a good thing, it's a really good thing. In the wake of the election, we saw Ken Wyatt being moved on through Cabinet and the new Minister for Aged Care and Senior Australians is Richard Colbeck. 
Um, Ken Wyatt, how much responsibility does he, he bear for this charter? Um, look, I think I think Ken has done a lot for the aged care sector and, and we're really congratulating him moving into Cabinet and particularly being the first uh, Aboriginal man to hold a Cabinet position but also to hold the, the portfolio of Indigenous Affairs. And I think what he's been really good at doing is consulting with all the sectors. I hope he takes that into the Indigenous sector as well, but he's been very good at listening to people what they want and what consumers wanted. And they said... We want to be respected. Um, he was integral, actually, saying to providers, "You actually got to sit down. You got to sign this to say to people that uh, you're, you know, that you are going to respect their rights and give consumers or older people the chance to actually sign it themselves to say, yep, yeah, I've got a copy of this, and I'm going to stand up for my rights. And if I don't have my rights respected, I'm going to raise that with you or with OPAN." So are we are we expecting much the same from Richard Colbeck, the new minister? Look, I, I think it's early days. I know the uh, sector is uh, interested in engaging with the senator. Um, I know he's been a very active senator in Tasmania. Um, but uh, we want to keep on this road for reform. We don't want to wait till the end of the Royal Commission. We need to keep reform going on at the moment. And uh, uh, consumer groups like ourselves are really want to see that happen and uh, the aged care providers want to see it as well so um, we'll be we'll be looking and watch this space I suppose. Indeed so uh, as you mentioned Ken White very sort of consultative and inclusive and I just wonder what sort of bipartisan support you're expecting the Charter to have? Uh, look I think I think that uh, there is recognition that we need to do something different in aged care the Charter of Rights is, is one part of that um, making sure that people though know and use the charter as I suppose a bit of their their protective shield to say like an insurance policy I suppose in some ways this is my insurance policy about getting treated right and treated with respect and dignity. It sounds um, about the reason we're going out to <laughs> tell everyone and we want to tell people at Melbourne Town Hall next Tuesday. In, in decree, uh, in yeah. decree, we'll, 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 we'll certainly emphasise that for you. But um, basically, as we've mentioned in the past as well, it's not old age these days. It's the advent of the third age. Absolutely. So this is um, this is a, a, a generational um, and a generation of forty years of active life, and we want to see people as active and as uh, as as Well, let's embrace this charter. Now, as you say, a series of rollouts, the first of them next Tuesday at the Melbourne Town Hall. We are all invited. It's a free event, and uh, you're going to be chucking on a lovely morning tea for us as well, Craig. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, having a really good discussion, and I suppose some of this is also hopefully issues we can get up to the Royal Commission as well, but really focusing on the importance of rights and um, happens sometimes when you lose them, so let's stand up to rights. Indeed, so then you move the machine on up to Ballarat. We can also yep. engage with this process as well online. We can access websites, portals. Yes, um, on our website, opan.com.au forward slash charter, or else give us a buzz on 1800 700 600. It's a very important document, and uh, Craig, to you and your team, thank you so much for your hard work, because I think the Charter is the fundamental basis, the foundation on which we can embrace and look at a really vigorous third age for us all. It sure is, and thanks, uh, thanks for your support as well, Brendan. 
Not a problem at all. Craig Gear, thank you very much indeed. Always great to have your company on the aid stage. Craig Gear, CEO of the Older Persons Advocacy Network, OPAN. So next Tuesday morning at the Melbourne Town Hall, your chance to attend the free public forums to explain and detail this new aged charter. When we come back, Warren Haynes of Aftercare Australasia, who is very concerned that the government might be clamping down on the qualification for its services, but for one very important and one reason only. The government, he claims, is very worried about the massive blowout in aged care costs. This is The Age Stage. We'll be back in just a moment. Adawa PFM, thank you very much indeed for your company this Thursday morning. Great to have you out there. This is Adawa PFM broadcasting from the Benigo Bank Studios, 98.7 and 98.3. You're tuned up to the aid stage. I'm Brendan Toffer. The good news is that Warren Haynes is in the house. Warren, good morning from Aftercare Australasia. Dropping by, haven't seen you for a week or two. <laughs> Interesting, I thought, Craig Gear and uh, the uh, new, of the friend, of course, CEO of Older Persons Advocacy Network, and uh, now this new charter, of course, protecting uh, older persons' rights. So that was an interesting segment. But you're here not only to talk about that, but also you've been noticing a few bits and pieces, and you think that aged care is going to become a significant factor in our thinking going forward, perhaps a big election issue next time round? What's your thinking? Well, uh, you know, look, Brendan, uh, I, I, my, my sense is just that it's inevitable. Um, we've talked previously about how it's quite clear now that the, the demand for aged care services and supports for people to stay in the home as long as possible is, is totally outstripping the, um, the available funds at the moment and that the way aged care works is um, is a little bit different, say, to uh, what's happened, you know, these, these big changes that have come through in the disability sector where, where they've really just sort of mapped it out and gone, well, this is how many people that need, are going to need the support with disability, so that's what it's going to cost. We've, we've, we've sort of calculated it out and then we've had to set aside funding in the budget um, and that's the, you know, that's had bipartisan support and, and been, you know, resulted in the NDIS, but which, which whilst, you know, people will say there's still a number of faults in that system, uh, one of the things that that it isn't a problem is overall availability of, of funding and resources to meet the demand that's out there. Whereas aged care works quite differently. Um, there's this huge baby boomer demographic that's moving through into the ageing um, uh, sort of section of the community. Um, and there just doesn't seem to be any real serious decision making around how are we going to support that group. And so this is the start of the tidal wave that you're beginning to see in your work area yep. down here on the Mornington Peninsula Aftercare Australasia. You obviously are protecting and preserving the rights and the interests of your clients. But what's happening? Why are you thinking this? What what are you seeing? Yeah, so so what's happened is that so just a bit of a recap. What happens is that people um, historically have always been assessed as being eligible for you know for a home care package or for um, a, a residential aged care place. Um, but with the home care packages, the funding has never met. The, the the level of or has never equaled the number of people who've been assessed as eligible for a package. So what it means is there's a huge waiting list, you know, tens of thousands of people are there who've been told, yes, you're entitled to a home care package, but 
we don't have the funding for one available for you right now. So, and that waiting list has gone. And what I've seen is that um, so there's a there's a feature in the um, My Age Care portal that that manages all of this that gives you an estimate of how long the, the the overall average wait time is for a level three package, a level two package, a level four package. And what we've seen over time is that that estimate has slowly pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and got long, progressively longer. We're also seeing that the waiting list, of course, is growing at the same time. And the most recent um, phenomenon that I've encountered is that even when you're asking for a reassessment of an existing client, so this is someone who is currently receiving a home care package, they've got the funding approved, um, they, they clearly are receiving the services, they clearly have a demonstrated need for the services to continue living in the community, um, that when you put that application in, through the aged care assessment service, and, and let's be clear, they'll, they'll only be doing what they've been instructed to do, um, Rather than it being a, you know, you make a case for the reassessment based on the client's changing support needs. So they want, you know, but they want to go up to a new level, or yeah. they need a little bit more care, or they need a bit more from their package. Yep. So the, you so, know, so, so then what's happening? Well, so you know, there's been an obvious um, decline in the person's um, abilities to look after themselves independently. That's quite noticeable. Previously, you'd put that in, and then you'd, they'd come out and do an assessment, and you might still go back on the waiting list for the next level up, um, but. That's how it used to work. And what I'm seeing now is that you put the application in and, in fact, then you get a, a detailed questionnaire sent back to you um, that's quite separate from the person's um, support needs. It's more around, uh, to me, it's more around uh, are, are, they, are they using all of the money that's available to them and are they accessing any other services that are funded um, to provide support on top of the package? And essentially, if they're not doing that, then they're not seen as being a very high priority to even get the reassessment to determine whether they should be on a higher level of package. So it's not needs-based. That's, that's, I suppose, the key thing. It, the system used to be driven on a needs-based approach. So you think there's been a slight shift and mm. you think that basically those that are administering the system are looking to try and make their dollars go a little bit further. Absolutely. So somebody somewhere is crunching some numbers and they're probably having a, a mild panic attack about how much money is going into this sector. I think if you were in charge of managing the budget, uh, this would be a very scary and alarming situation. So we are, you think, then therefore glimpsing the start of this tidal wave, which we've been told is going to be hitting and in the not too distant future. Well, absolutely. So, so you know, the, the big issue here is not that they're trying to drive our dollar further. That's all perfectly reasonable. We would expect government to be doing that. Um, but I think the issue is the, the, the motivation around doing that is they're looking into the abyss and going, oh, my goodness, how on earth are we going to actually fund the supports that are needed to meet the expectations of our, our older community members? And I... I'm not seeing anyone on either side of government really sitting down and, and working out how they're going to address that. Well, we have a new government. Um, the interesting thing is Ken White, of course, the original um, aged care minister, has now moved into different portfolios. Uh, we've got Richard Colbeck, the Tasmanian senator, 
who's now the aged care minister. Um, we haven't seen his form yet. We haven't seen a lot of him yet. Mm. Um, so it'll be very interesting. So poor Senator Colbeck might be staring over the, the cliff edge, you think? Really what they're saying... So, so what, what, what I'm reading is that, that this is a problem uh, that is going to exponentially increase over the next 10 years. So if you look at um, the next term of government, which is three, so that's that's 30% of that period, and, and it's only going to get worse. So really we've got three years in which to do a bit of a radical rethink as to how they're going to fund and resource this sector. Otherwise, as I said, it, it's definitely going to be a very, very live um, political issue when the next election comes around. That's a big prediction. Um, we might explore that in the in subsequent weeks, but just quickly before we let you go today, um, so if you're on the verge of wanting to get into the portal and start examining your options as you start to want to stay at home or you're feeling unwell or getting referred to you, what should people be doing to prepare themselves for this wait in the first instance and then having to satisfy a series of criteria which it seems are getting a little bit more draconian. Look, I, I think what, what I'd be advising people to do is um, is to be thinking ahead. And, and again, this has been a bit of a theme, I it guess. Of... <laughs> but let's make the point again, because I think it's absolutely vital that people are, are aware of this one. Yeah, definitely. So so really what I'd be recommending is that people continue to, to start with getting supports from their local council. Uh, in most cases, that's that's where that sort of front line of in-home support is provided, and often that's a very, very good service. Um, but at the same time that they're doing that, I would be encouraging them to not be complacent and to go ahead and also apply for a eligibility for a home care package because they may be waiting for that home care package for, you know, nine to 12 months um, before it comes through and in which time they may well find that the the um, council services are struggling to meet their needs. And that brings up the other issue, of course, and maybe we'll invite uh, the Mornington Shire and Frankston in here and have a bit of a discussion about what they are providing and how it's being funded and what abyss they might be looking into. Well, and, and again, obviously I can't speak for them, but what I can tell you is that um, we're seeing that there's a significant tightening in the availability and capacity that they have, certainly in the area we operate in, um, to pick up um, to pick up support. So I think they're, they're still definitely meeting demand, but, but one of the things that, that again has changed in the last um, six months so six months ago, uh, we had a couple of clients we picked up who were, you know, very attached to their current council workers and were keen to continue having them come in. And one of the nice things about a home care package is that it generally allows you to do that. Um, and so I approached the councils and the councils at that time said, yep, sure, no problems. We've worked with this, this lovely lady for, you know, five years. Um, you know, we're, we're happy to keep going. Um, but more recently, when I've approached them with similar circumstances, they've said, look, we're, we'd love to be able to help you, but unfortunately, we don't have the worker availability to keep that arrangement in place, even if the home care package pays for it. You'll have to put your own workers in.
It's a subject for another day, Warren Haynes. Thank you very much indeed. The good news is that you're in there and you're batting hard for your clients, Aftercare Australasia, doing the right thing, Warren. Absolutely. We've uh, we've really had a steady, I think we've said before, we've had a steady stream of people coming through looking at the um, the, the alternative uh, approach that we offer and um, by and large, people that come and have a look uh, decide that that's what they want to go ahead with and they transfer. And the other us. thing is, very quickly, um, you've moved offices now, so you've moved into new premises. Congratulations on the big move. You're not looking too frazzled. <laughs> oh, we are just, uh, you know, so happy that we've got into these offices. Uh, we've been, we've, we always run on a very, very tight kind of, um, you know, streamlined uh, operation, but we, we'd found over about the last six to nine months that uh, that, that belt tightening had pretty much reached almost breaking point, so we're really happy to be in a new office, and that sort of puts us in a great position going forward. And the, and the new address? Uh, it's a 6 Suffolk Street in uh, Rosebud. There's some, some uh, uh, Google Maps might say it's Capel Sound. Um, there's some debate as to which suburb it is. I think it's changed backwards and forwards a couple of times but my understanding is it's still Rosebud so we're out the back near Bunnings if people know where that is and uh, we'd love you to drop by Well Haynes, thank you very much indeed Warren, always great to see you and of course we'll come down and check out uh, the new facility Warren, thanks very much indeed, have a super Thursday and we'll see you very very soon When we come back on the H stage, it's Bowel Cancer Awareness Month, it's a big killer but with early intervention it doesn't have to be Our medical reporter Damien Flanley joining us on PFM, the H stage this is RPPFM. This is the Age Stage, and it's great to have your company. I'm Brendan Telfer. The Age Stage, of course, brought to us by Australian Unity and Aftercare Australasia. Every year or so, usually a big uh, padded package arrives in the mail. It is the uh, Bowel Cancer Group looking to screen us all and trying to alert us to any undue signs or symptoms that we might be showing. Very, very important because bowel cancer is a big killer. It's the month of June. Bowel Cancer has an awareness campaign going on at the moment. To tell us more about it, here is Damien Flinley. Good morning, Damien. Good morning, guys. Good morning, listeners. Tell us a little bit about bowel cancer. A bit of a worry. Trends are upwards, downwards. We're maintaining. Yeah, yeah it, it, again, a, a sad indictment on Australians that we tend not to look after our bowels as well as we should. Australia's got one of the highest rates of bowel cancer in the Western world. It's a, it, it's a terrible indictment that people can suffer up to 90% of their issues with bowel cancer before it even shows. So this is showing up in older demographics. It take, it's, a, it's a long gestation period before it really starts to manifest. Yeah, look, bowel cancer, tumours and the like that occur in your bowel for bowel cancer can continue for a long period of time before they're actually identified. This is why the government's been quite prolific since the, uh, since the early 80s and 70s to actually donate to you on your 50th birthday a lovely little white can to say, please, poo into this. Let's check it out. Let's make sure you don't suffer any bowel cancer trips or traits. But you can understand why they do that, because if they can get it early, it's going to save them a fortune in terms of getting you back to health later on in your life. And not only that, it's going to probably improve your life expectation as well. Yeah, but I mean, last year alone, over 15,000 people were diagnosed with bowel cancer from these tests. 15,000 people. It's amazing that people can be um, supported at their 50th birthday and save their life. The bowel cancer traditions and treatments are quite uh, are excellent and they can really save your life. So I do encourage, it's the second biggest killer of cancers in Australia and we need to focus on just doing that regular checkup and getting check, check, checked up for your bowel cancer problems. So as we're saying, it's a long gestation, this particular cancer as well, for those older Australians that might not have eaten quite as well in their younger 
your days? Is this compounding the situation? Should, what, what are we looking at? Diet, health? What are we doing? Well, we always say that if you have good, a uh, good fibrous diet, it can be quite helpful. It prevents those uh, um, sludgy items sl- sloughing around your inner bowel, but that's not necessarily the cause of the cancer. The cancer is a mutation of cells in your bowel, so you know genetics plays a huge role in your familiarity of the issue. Uh, with bowel cancer, obviously people can suffer genetics issues and they need to be checked up more readily if that's the case. But we're just talking about random samples from 50-year-old-plus people who've got an increased risk of suffering bowel cancer. Um, this is your everyday person who's never had it before in their life. Um, and they can get it checked. It shows up as small amounts, very trace elements of blood in your bowel. It doesn't show up as a big red streak coming out, no big red apples that we're talking about. This is just the fact that it can be detected in your feces and it's worth checking up. So when you do get that padded envelope, um, avail yourself of it and, uh, and... It's free. It's free. It should be done every two years after your 50th birthday. And for those at familiar risk, if you're over 40, do it now. Do it now, do it regularly, because if you find that one piece of blood in there and you get it checked out and it saves your life, you'll be thanking. No need for superannuation plans if you don't. Fantastic. Well, it is Bowel Cancer Awareness Month. Damien Flanley is our resident medico, comes in and uh, advises on what we should be doing, what we should be looking out for. Damien, this is obviously a pretty important one, hey? Look, this is something, as I said, the government finds it uh, important for all of our health, and they don't throw their money willy-nilly at this sort of health issues. If they're doing it, you should be taking it. Uh, readily and taking it seriously for you and your family. So bottom line here is go and see your quack or what What, what are we doing? <laughs> Excuse me. To coin, coin I like your pun. I thank, like your pun. <laughs> thank you very much. Totally intentional, of course. <laughs> Look, if you can prevent bowel cancer, do it now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Go and check out and get, go and see your GP, but do follow up with your bowel habits. Make sure you've got uh, any of those risk factors identified. If you notice any blood in your stool, any unexplained weight loss, uh, any change in your bowel habits, um, any severe abdominal pain, don't wait. Go and see your doctor. Great advice from Damien Flanley right here on the H stage. This is RPPFM, the H stage designed uh, for the older Australian and, of course, uh, bowel cancer. It is the Awareness Month. Do be advised. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more H stage in just a moment. Hi, this is Sigrid Thornton speaking. I love listening to the radio, and when I'm on the peninsula, I love listening to RPPFM. Princess Cruises is one of the world's leading cruise lines sailing to more than 350 different ports of call worldwide. Princess Cruises currently have seven spectacular ships cruising from Asia, Australia, some departing from Melbourne, each offering an array of exceptional amenities, including elegant main dining rooms, a thrilling gaming casino, theatres, lounges, freshwater pools, and much, much more. Ships that operate in Australia have Aussie dollars on board with shipping included. Call the girls at Somerville Travel and Cruise today, 5977-5433, to book your Princess Cruise, a station sponsor. More and more people with a taste for quality are shopping at Eliza Meats. Kevin and his lean team pride themselves on the finest cuts. From juicy steaks and roasts to high-grade mince and sausages, and Eliza Meats are the gourmet specialists. Inquire about Eliza Meats Spithire for 9787-4473 for a mouth-watering meal fit for a king. It's all at Eliza Meats. See our sponsor Kevin at Eliza Meats, 112B Mount Eliza Way, a station sponsor. Denor Homewares have been servicing the kitchen and dining needs of the Mornington Peninsula for five years. Denor Homewares pride themselves on a wide variety of quality brands, excellent service and the right advice, plus loyalty discounts, seniors discounts, lay-by and free gift wrapping. At Denor Homewares, they put the customer first. 
Visit denorhomewares.com.au or drop into Shop 3, 26 McLaren Place, Mornington. Phone 59768868. Denor Homewares Mornington, a proud station sponsor. Hey, this is Tanya Zayeta, and when I'm on the peninsula, I love listening to RPPFM. RPPFM across the Mornington Peninsula. Great to have your company. This is the Age Stage, proudly uh, sponsored by Aftercare Australasia and Australian Unity. Now, speaking of Australian Unity, they've got a big Saturday coming up because uh, one of their facilities here, down on the Monitor Peninsula, opens up and you are invited. To tell us a little bit about it, Cathy Van Roosmullen is here from Australian Unity. Cathy, welcome. Thank you. Um, tell me about your role. What is your role with Australian Unity? I am the Client Services Manager for Morven Manor, which is located here on Tantai Street. Morning, and, of course, you have a big open day coming up on Saturday. When, what, how, what are we doing? We are opening up some units that overlook Tantai Creek um, on Saturday, the 8th of November at 11am to 2pm. That's fantastic. Well, we're going to wear this Thursday morning, of course, so it's just a couple of days. So if you're not doing anything on Saturday morning, get yourself organised because if you are interested or perhaps your parents or family and friends, you will be there to welcome everybody? Absolutely, I'll be there. And our sales manager, Judy, will also be there to welcome you. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the facility. It was bought a few years ago, wasn't it, by Australian? It was bought by Australian Unity around 2012, so we've had it now for about seven years. Um, it became retirement village in the 80s, so we have some residents who actually have been at the village for 10 to 15 years. They've been here for a long time. So they predate Australian Unity then? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So Australian Unity, a big influence down here in terms of this, these packages and retirement options, of course, this wonderful facility down near the racecourse as well. Mm -hmm. um, but you are offering something similar, something different. It's a different price category. How does it We're work? in a different price category. So we're not the new built facilities like Peninsula Grange on Racecourse Road. Um, so we're more established. Um, we're located closer to Main Street. So we're actually on a different price, price point with different um, hits. Okay, cool. So if I'm considering retirement and I'm looking at you and I might be, I have a budget, what am I thinking of in sort of ballpark figures to get in and get established? Somewhere between four to five hundred thousand dollars will get you in to a two-bedroom unit. And then that that then becomes my unit, which I then own and hold. It's or I'm called a ninety-nine-year loan lease, right. so it will be yours for your lifetime. Um, the the buildings do still belong to Australian Unity but you will have access to your building for as long as you are there. And the equity that I invest in my four or $500,000, I can redeem that or my family can on my demise or passing? Yes, so whether you go to aged care, um, we'll sell the unit or you can offer to have someone else sell the unit and then a percentage of that proceeds comes back. I see. Um, and, and indeed, down there at the facility, um, what are you offering me if I move in and I buy one of your wonderful two or one bedroom apartments? Um, a lifestyle choice. <laughs> ah, the beautiful lifestyle. So you are there. What else? Who else is going to be looking after So you? on a day-to-day -day basis, I have my wonderful assistant, Morella. She's there every day and um, she will welcome you to the facility and help you with any issues that you have. 
Um, I have a gardening person, Craig, and again, he's there every day. He does gardening as well as maintenance. So if you have an issue, you just need to speak to Morella and Craig will be there to help you as well. So this allows you to have the freedom to say that you need something done and leave it with us and then you can go and do what you need to okay. do. So I am basically looking after my own interests, my own concerns. I'm basically setting my lifestyle agenda, but I'm doing it within the confines of this compound, this area that you basically manage to look after and ensure my well-being. Absolutely. Okay, so am I eating communally with you guys or am I looking after... You can. So this is independent living, so you can come and go as you please. You can visit family and family can come and visit you. You can use the community centre to have extended family if you'd like or even just to sit and have a coffee. We do do lunches or dinners in the community centre but not as a regular occurrence um, as it's independent living. I'm a raging 70-year-old and my old girlfriends I've suddenly got in touch with and they want to come and spend the weekend with me. Am I allowed to? Absolutely. More the merrier. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. So, okay, this weekend then, Australian Unity, throwing the, uh, throwing the gates open and the doors open, the welcome mat will be out at uh, this wonderful facility. Where is it again? 77 Tantai Street, Mornington. Fantastic. Um, congratulations, Cathy. Good Thank luck you. with all that. Thank and uh, we'll get over there and have a look around, hey? I mean, the facilities are fantastic, aren't they? I mean, the, the beautiful environment. And I guess this is probably why Australian Unity want to get involved in the first place. Yeah, so um, Morven Manor heritage, has heritage overlays. So it's actually originally built in 1888, off the top of my head. Um, so the actual manor is got, has heritage overlays. So when you walk in, you'll see beautiful wooden ceilings and stained glass. Uh, windows and lovely chandeliers, all you know, predating Australian unity. And then we have some lovely 100-year Norfolk pines that also have heritage overlays on the outside of the facility. So when you walk in, you'll see this beautiful grand house, which is the community centre. And then surrounding those houses are all the units. And then behind those units are Tantai Creek. So we have some lovely units that overlook Tantai Creek as And well. these are on the market at the moment? They Correct. Are I have um, three or four overlooking the creek that, um, that we think will sell very quickly. So Wow, congratulations. Sounds fantastic. Got to come down. Saturday morning, it's all happening, hey? It certainly is at 11am. So, a great opportunity to check out the Morven Manor Australian Unity Facility in Tantai Street here in Mornington this coming Saturday. Get on down. 11 o'clock. Uh, Cathy, thank you so much indeed. Cathy Van Roosman, who of course is uh, a member of the Australian Unity Group. And uh, just a little bit of a disclaimer, of course, Australian Unity, part of the sponsorship uh, deal that we've put together here at the age stage so just be mindful of that and uh, with kathy uh leaving us today kathy thank you it's time for us to bid you all a fantastic uh, thursday thanks for being with us this uh, thursday morning brendan telfer signing off for another week um not forgetting of course our medical reporter damien flanley damien thank you for dropping by of course and on the line today we spoke with craig gear as well and warren haynes dropping by having a bit of a letter to us about that very worrying trend that he's seeing thinks that the government might be having a bit of a panic attack about the amount of money that the aged care sector is going to be consuming in the very near future. I am Brendan Telford. Thank you for your company. We will be back with another edition of The Age Stage in seven days' time. Look after yourself until then. See you. Bye.